Good morning and a very warm welcome to everyone joining us this morning, whether you're in Newhall, Whitstable, uh, anywhere else around the UK or around the world. Uh, very warm welcome to you all and a special, very, very warm welcome to Alan Hearn, who joins us from hospital. It's so good to see you, Alan, and sitting up and um, smiling. So it's good to see you. Well, we hope that God will uh, move by his spirit amongst us this morning so that we will be blessed. And uh, to remind you, if you need prayer uh, after the service, then please text or ring Nigel on 07770-704987, and you'll be put into a prayer room with a member of the prayer team. I will give that number out again at the end of our time together. Well, today is a, a special day because it's Mother's Day. So a special welcome and blessing on all mothers uh, joining us this morning. And for those with uh, children at home, uh, I trust you enjoyed breakfast in bed made for you by your nice little children and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Well, let's start by uh, praying and then uh, I'll ask Steve to lead us in sung worship. Lord, on this day in which we honour mothers, may we love and cherish these special women who have nurtured us, cared for us, guided us, and who have continued to pray for us and our well-being. May our hearts overflow with gratitude to you, who formed and knitted each one of us in our mother's womb, so that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. We pray that you will give each mother here this morning all that they need to be the mother you want them to be. But we also pray for any here this morning where today is difficult, for those that have lost their mothers in the last year. May they rest and find comfort in your loving arms. And for those who wanted to be mothers but could not for whatever reason, may you be their peace and their comfort this morning. But we've come this morning to bring you praise and worship We've come to sit at your feet and hear what you have to say to us. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move upon each one of us wherever we are and that we will feel the touch of your hand on our lives this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Steve, please uh, lead us in some sung worship. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all this morning. I'm just I'm just ex expecting that um, as, as we start this time of worship, that everyone's going to be gathering around Alan's hospital bed as he starts singing out um, and, uh, <laughs> and, make, and making a noise in where he is. Anyway, but no, it's, it's just wonderful to have us all together um, and to give praise to God. So we're going to start off by singing, we come in your name for all things you have made. Um, we've been lifted to the highest place with God in heaven this morning. i 
King, all heaven and earth. 
pray together let's bring to god our prayers of praise and uh, those things that are laid on our heart so if you want to pray please unmute yourself and then uh, mute again father we thank you for all that you've done for us we thank you for that holy overshadowing that within that there is safety and lord we know there are many storms that rage around us and yet we can feel safe and secure in your loving arms. Father, we want to thank you this morning for who you are and for all that you do for us each day, each week, each month, each year, that nothing can separate us from your love. So this morning, as we gather uh, at your feet, we bring to you our prayers of praise and our prayers of petition, knowing that you are a faithful God and that you will take them up on our behalf and through the answers to those prayers that you will receive the glory. So hear us now as we pray to you. Amen. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. Mm. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge and our strength. Mm. Amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, Psalm 91. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampant. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day. Amen. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord Almighty, who never sleeps or slumbers, but watches over us. We thank you that you are there all the time, whether we see you or not. We have faith in your loving hand upon this world and our lives. Amen. <laughs> I had an interesting part in 1 John 5. Whoever believes that Jesus the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the God who begat Jesus is also begotten of him. By this we know that also we love the children of God when we love God who can keep his commandments. For this is the life, this is the love of God when we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whoever however, is born of God overcometh the world. And this is our faith, that victory over the world. God only spoke to the world through his prophets until John the Baptist. Then as Jesus was raised from his baptism, God spoke openly to the whole world. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Here we have 
first-hand truth for our faith. Thank you. Father, we give you praise and thanks that Alan is able to join us this morning through the technology that you've provided. And Father, we pray for your continued healing upon him. We pray that he will soon be able to return home to Eleanor and we pray for your blessing upon her too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for the picture that Simon shared uh, at the time of the chat about uh, the picture of, of uh, Josh and smiling and uh, being happy. And Lord, we do thank you that there's been no side effects from this last course of treatment. But Lord, we know that uh, there is one more to go and we pray that you will continue to be with Josh, that you will be his all sufficiency. And Lord, that you will bring him through this with limited side effects. But most of all, Lord, through the power of your spirit, that you will bring complete healing on Josh. And we're praying for Josh. We pray for Josie too, for Simon, for Julie, for Ron, for Alice, for the rest of the family. Lord, this is a time of great concern. And Lord, we pray that uh, you will bring them peace. You will bring them comfort that you'll surround them with your love and draw them close to you at this time. But at the end of all of this, Lord, when Josh is healed, may they just rejoice and that we would rejoice with them. But our God can do such mighty things. Well, Lord, there is other, there are others in our fellowships, in our families that need a touch of your hand. And just in a moment's quiet, we just bring those before you and ask you to reach out and touch the various things that we just mention in our hearts. And on this Mother's Day, where a lot of families are not together, are not able to celebrate and share, Lord, we just thank you again for the technology that brings us into each other's living rooms or other rooms where we can see each other and celebrate even from a distance. But Lord, we look forward to that day where we can celebrate as a family. We look to that day where we can celebrate <clears throat> as a fellowship back into our buildings where we can worship you uh, in fellowship with one another. And so we do thank you, Lord, for all that is going on uh, in our country and around the world to bring an end to this pandemic. Lord, we just look forward to that day when this disease has been eradicated. But Lord, there's much to do, and we pray continually for those administering the vaccination, those in our NHS who are serving to bring about healing to those who are suffering. But Lord, we would also pray for our government that they would do the right things in order to release the lockdown at the right time, where this will be an end to lockdown. But Lord, we look to you to do more than we can ask or imagine in all of our situations, knowing that you are almighty God and you love us and you care for us. And so we say thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Mark is uh, now going to bring to us uh, the All Age Talk. Thank you, Mark. Hi, everyone. 
So today's a very special day, isn't it? I hope you haven't missed it, and I'm sure you know what it is. That's right. It's Mother's Day. Now, Mother's Day is the day when we say thank you to our mums and all those other people who love us and care for us. So this morning, I thought instead of telling you a Bible story and showing you a video, it would be a good idea to take a look at what the Bible says about love, because the Bible talks a lot about love, doesn't it? So the passage that I've chosen talks about what love is and what love isn't. And it also talks a little bit about the future, which can be a bit confusing. But as Christians, we believe that Jesus came to show us how to live and how to love, and that through the Bible, we can get to know Jesus. But we can't really fully understand how much Jesus really loves us and cares for us, because Jesus is so amazing that if we do, it would completely blow our minds. But as Christians, we do believe that at some point in the future, there will be a time when we meet Jesus face to face, and then everything will become clear. So the passage that I've chosen to read this morning is from the book of 1 Corinthians, and it's chapter 13, verses 4 to 13. And it goes something like this. Love is patient. No, not that sort of patient. Let's try again. Love is patient. That's better. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. Love does not dishonor others. And it's not self-seeking or selfish. Love does not get angry easily or quickly. And it keeps no record of the wrong things people do. Love does not delight in wrongdoing, but it's really happy with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But when we try to predict the future, we will realize that we can't. When we speak in different languages, we will be quiet. When we think we know a lot, we'll realize that we don't. Because we only know in part and see a little bit of what is to come. But one day, everything will be complete. You see, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away those childish things. Well, most of the time anyway. Because at the moment, we can only see like a reflection looking in a cloudy mirror or a rippling pond but one day we shall see face to face what we know in part we will know fully but now there are only three things to think about faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love So we're going to finish our morning video with an action song all about God's love. I'm really pleased that Bethany and Matt are helping me with this. So why don't you jump up where you are and see if you can follow the actions. One, two, one, two, three, four. God, you made 
made the universe, the upper sun, the moon and stars has a place in his heart for me. From the beginning to the end, God will always be my friend. So I can jump and shout, cause God loves me. God's love is big, God's love is great, God's love is fabulous. God's love is deep, God's love is strong, God's love goes on and on and on. God's love surrounds me every day, and I love to sing and say, God loves me. Since before the world began. God knew me and had a plan for my life and how I'm gonna be. He sent Jesus to be my friend, to show his love will never end. So I can jump and shout, cause God loves me. God's love is big, God's love is great, God's love is family, he's my mate. God's love surrounds me every day. God's love is big, God's love is strong, God's love goes on and on and on. God's love surrounds me every day, and I love to sing and say, God loves me. God's love is strong, God's love is big, God's love is great, God's love is bad, God's love is strong, God's love is big, great, bad, strong, 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 big. God's love surrounds me every day, and I love to sing and say, God's love is big, God's love is strong, God's love goes on and on and on. God's love surrounds me every day, and I love to sing and say, God loves me. Thank you, Mark, for sharing that with us. We're going to continue in uh, Mark's Gospel, and uh, Maureen's going to bring us uh, this morning's reading. So, Maureen, if you could unmute and read to us. Thank you. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. 
Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Thank you, Maureen. Let's pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father, we thank you for your word, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, there is a word for us this morning that you've laid on Martin's heart. And so, Lord, we pray as he speaks that we will hear not only from him, but from you through the power of your spirit. Open our hearts and our minds to receive from you this morning and help us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers too as we put into action what we've heard and what we've been challenged about. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Thanks, Tony. Some great air guitars going on there this morning, so thank you for those. And thanks to Mark. Mark, yeah, where, you wearing your um, hat there um, as you were singing reminded me that you, Mark had his graduation uh, ceremony online yesterday for St Militus. So congratulations, uh, Mark, on, uh, on your graduation. And uh, Mark is, uh, yeah, yeah, well done. Thank you. Um, so we're continuing to, um, to look in the uh, second half of Mark at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I want to look today at uh, growing in the fruit of faith. Um, <clears throat> as, we, uh, as we look to reopen um, the church uh, for hybrid services at Easter, um, and as we look ahead and begin to make plans to reopening other activities sort of in the summer, this passage is um, very relevant to us. Um, Jesus came into a temple that was incredibly busy. There was lots of noise, lots of activity. And uh, I guess, I don't know if you can remember a year ago when churches were, were still open, pre-lockdown. It seems a long time ago, doesn't it? Um, there was lots, um, lots of uh, rotors that you were probably on a year ago lots of committees, there was lots of noise, there were lots of people coming and going, um, there was lots of transactions. And pre-lockdown, um, church was really, really busy. But the warning in this passage is that the busyness of the temple contained little in the way of prayer and spirituality. Nobody was actually praying in the area that Jesus entered. Um, so it's possible, the warning is in the passage, isn't it? It's possible to be very busy in church activities to look like a healthy church because we're busy and yet it's possible to bear little fruit um, it's possible not really to be bearing the fruit that God wants and I want to look today at how we can grow in the fruit of faith that involves real heart change that brings about growth as disciples firstly I want to look at how we can recognize um, fruitless faith Second, I want to look at how Jesus overcomes fruitless faith. And then thirdly, I want to look at how we can bear fruit through Jesus. So first of all, how do we recognize fruitless faith? Well, as I mentioned just now, Jesus entered um, the temple courts. And when he stepped inside the temple door, there was an awful lot of activity and busyness going on. And he would have entered the court of the Gentiles. This was the only part where non-Jews, Gentiles, were allowed to go. It was the biggest part of the temple, and it was the part of the temple that you had to walk through to get to the other parts of the temple. The other three parts of the temple were the court of the women, the court of Israel, and the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was that little cube-shaped room right in the middle of the temple where only the high priest could go once a year to offer sacrifices uh, for the people to cleanse them from their sin. Um, these three areas, the Holy of Holies, the Court of the Women and the Court of Israel, made up the main temp temple sanctuary. And the Court of the Gentiles was, was separated off from the main, court, uh, the main courts of the temple. And there was a big sign up 
which said uh, on the outside of the Court of Gentiles, it said no foreigner may enter within the railing and enclosure that surround the temple. And by foreigner, it meant Gentiles. So when Jesus entered the temple into the Court of Gentiles, not only were Gentiles being prevented from going into the Court of the Women or, or the Court of the, the Israel, they, they also couldn't pray in the court where they were allowed to go because this was full of money chain changes and pigeons and lambs and money changing hands. It was a business area. This was supposed to be a quiet place of reflection and prayer for the Gentiles. But thousands and thousands of people were there buying and selling transactions so that people could purchase animal sacrifices for their, their particular courts. Um, Josephus, the ancient uh, historian, records that in Passover week one year, 255,000 lambs were bought, sold and sacrificed in the temple courts. So that gives you some sort of idea of the busyness and the scale and the noise that would have been going on. And Jesus is angry because the court of the Gentiles that was supposed to be a place of prayer was just hubbub and noise and a business zone. And he starts throwing the furniture around. You can imagine the leaders, can't you, hurrying up to him in panic. What's going on? What are you doing? He, and Jesus quotes from Isaiah 56, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That is for the Gentiles. And what Jesus is doing, he's clearing the court of the Gentiles and saying to the leaders, look, this is supposed to be a place of prayer. And he's clearing it out for its original purpose. You see, the Gentiles were always supposed to have access to God. Isaiah 56 verse 3 says this. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. The Gentiles were never supposed to be excluded from God's people. It was always God's plan that the temple should draw not just Jews, but Gentiles to worship God. So the temple was not the exclusive property of Israel. It was meant as a place where all people from all nations, <laughs> backgrounds, ethnicities could come and worship and pray. And Jesus also quotes Jeremiah 7, 11, calling the temple system a den of robbers. Why does he say that? Well, it's not so much the um, tr transactions that were going on there. It's the fact that the Gentiles have been robbed of their opportunity to worship and pray by all of these business transactions that were going on in their court. The temple was a place that was supposed to be about doing justice, caring for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow. It was a place that was supposed to demonstrate the inclusivity, the justice of God, the mercy of God. And instead, the court of Gentiles was a place of business and commercialism, a place of busyness, yes, but not a place of prayer. And so Jesus prophetically judges and clears the temple. This is a challenge to us, isn't it, in our church life. We can be busy engaging in activities in the church. And we need to ask the question, does what we're doing line up with God's purposes? You see, the purpose for the temple was always to make God known and to provide access that people could pray and come to know God. And we need to ask of all of our busyness and activities as a church is, do they help people make a journey to know and love Jesus Christ? That's our purpose statement, which I know you all know off by heart and recite every day, helping, helping people to make a journey to know and love Jesus. That's our purpose statement. And we need to hold that up against all of our church activities like a plumb line, straight plumb line, and ask, how do our church activities align with that plumb line? Are they moving people towards that plumb line or are they actually not bearing fruit? Do they not help people to make a journey to know and love Jesus? If we're drifting in our activities, we need to realign them. We may need to think about um, the number of activities we do or, or how we're doing them or the purpose of them and realign them so that they help people know Jesus. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but in the reading, the actions of Jesus in clearing the court of the Gentiles is like a sandwich filling. 
I don't know what you like in your sandwiches. I'm a, uh, in the week, I, I just eat sandwiches and I like cheese and pickle. I'm very simple um, and very um, easy to easily satisfied. Just cheese and pickle between two nice bits of sourdough bread and I'm happy, right? That's my lunch every day. And the incident of Jesus clearing the temple is the sandwich filling between the two strange accounts of the cursing of the fig tree. Why does Mark do that? Why does he have a sandwich? Well, he wants us to see that Jesus' cursing of the fig tree is a picture of God's judgment upon the temple system. That just as the fig tree withers and dies, so the whole temple system is withering and dying. It's not bearing fruit. So second, we look at how Jesus became a curse to deal with the fruitlessness of the temple system. Um, there's, there's a lot been written in judgment on Jesus of this passage of the cursing of the fig tree, but I hope to explain it to you in a way that you can understand that Jesus is not, Jesus doesn't have a vendetta against fig trees. <laughs> for, for all those tree huggers out there, and I know there are some, all those nature lovers, Jesus is Jesus, not a hater of, of, of nature and trees. You see, before the figs came in the spring, fig trees would grow little nodules, which travellers would pick off on the way to the temple. Um, and Jesus had begun to find, had found a tree that had leaves, but none of these little nodules. You see, these little nodules were signs that fruit would come later in the summer. But this tree had no none of those nodules on it. So the tree looked OK from a distance. It was in leaf. But when Jesus saw it close up, there were none of these little nodules that promised fruit. And so that was a sign that the tree was diseased and dying from the inside out. So growth without fruit was a sign of decay. So that kind of helps us to understand why Jesus cursing of the fig tree and the miracle of it withering instantaneously is not such a bad thing. Jesus notices that the tree is not doing its job. It's not bearing fruit. And he curses it by saying, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. It's a picture of the temple system, which is bearing no fruit. There's no fruit of justice, no fruit of prayer, no fruit of welcoming the orphan, the fatherless, the widow, the outsider in the temple. And so Jesus judges the temple and he uses the cursing of the fig tree as a picture of the judgment of God on the temple. The temple was supposed to be the place that represented the welcome, the inclusivity, the love, the mercy, the justice of God. Um, and there's a question, there's a challenge there for us, isn't it, as a church, as we look at our community and the types of people that make up our local community, we are called as a church to um, serve the poor, to do justice, to care for the fatherless, the widows, the orphans, the, the, the frail, the vulnerable, the lonely, the isolated. We are to be doers of justice. That's what the call of God on the people of Israel and the temple was. And they were failing. They made it a den of robbers because they hadn't provided the, the welcome of God to their local community. They were shutting off Gentiles and the fatherless and the orphans from the court of the Gentiles by making it a business zone. And we have to ask the question, do we welcome those in our community who are disadvantaged, alienated, isolated? Um, are we a place of welcome? You see, the temple had become a place of exclusive worship for the Jews and a place of injustice and then corruption. And the next day, um, Jesus and his disciples are, are walking along again and they come across the fig tree that Jesus had cursed the day before. And, uh, and um, this is what uh, Peter says to Jesus. Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And so here's a picture of the decaying and dying temple system that was soon to come under God's judgment. And we know in AD 70 that the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. And that was God's judgment. But Jesus himself would become the new temple, the new place where God's presence and power would dwell on earth and that people could come to know God 
through Jesus. In John's account of the clearing of the temple, this is what Jesus says to the religious leaders in John chapter two. Destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Do you remember that when Jesus died on the cross, Mark records in Mark 15, verse 37, this. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Do you remember that the from those all age talks that Mark did months and months ago, that the curtain in the temple separated off the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, that it was only the high priest once a year who could go in there to offer sacrifices on the Day of Atonement. Everybody else, that was a sign that they couldn't enter the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, the place where God's glory and presence dwelt. That wasn't accessible. But when Jesus died on the cross, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. The way was opened up that everybody, Jews and Gentiles, by faith in Jesus, could enter in and, and have access to God in person. No longer was a high priest needed. No longer were sacrifices needed for the sins. Jesus himself was the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world once and for all. So everybody by faith can enter into God's presence and have access to him. Jesus has opened up a new and living way, as Hebrews puts it. And when someone trusts in Jesus as their Lord and King, they are connected into him as a as a branch of the true vine. We can bear fruit when we are connected to Jesus by faith. John says this, John uh, 15 verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. We are called as disciples to go on bearing fruit, to stay connected to Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, we do that by keeping his commands, by loving God, and loving our neighbour. As we reach out with the gospel in word and loving actions in our workplaces, schools, university, community, so we will keep God's commands and Jesus promises that if we keep his commands and make him known, we will bear fruit. If we keep the good news to ourselves, if we're exclusive about the good news we have and don't share it and don't welcome others into it, we're in danger of being like the temple of not bearing fruit and coming under God's judgment. We're in danger of withering, like fruit withering on the vine. I don't know about you, I don't want to be a church that's withering on the vine, but doing God's commands. So how did Jesus' death achieve the potential of fruit bearing in us? Well, to understand this, we need to go right back to the Garden of Eden. Um, before they rebelled, Adam and Eve enjoyed God's presence. They could eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden, apart from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they rebelled. And as a result, God cursed the earth and Adam and Eve were excluded from God's presence. And a flaming sword was put at the entrance with cherubim to guard the garden from Adam and Eve. They could not go back in there. And the temple building was a reminder of the lost paradise of Eden but also a place where God wanted to re-establish his presence on earth with his people and among his people. And the Holy of Holies being cut off by a curtain was a reminder that the Garden of Eden was cut off from humanity by a flaming sword. But in the temple, it was a curtain that only the high priest could go behind. And the high priest was the only one who once a year could offer sacrifices for the, for the sins of the people. But you see what Jesus did when he died on the cross, Jesus took the curse of our sin on himself when he died on the cross. Paul says this, Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You see, Jesus was cut off and cursed on the cross so that the way might be opened up for us to know God and come into his presence. And so 
Jesus cursed that fig tree as a sign of God's judgment on, on Israel and its temple. But Jesus then took the curse on himself when he died on the cross so that you and I don't have to take that curse. So that by faith, we have access into God's presence and we can bear fruit by trusting in Jesus, the true vine, as his branches. So how do we bear fruit through faith in Jesus? Number three. Well, Jesus died and rose again to become the new temple in which God's presence and glory dwelt. And it's through faith in Jesus that we have access to God in prayer. There are no curtains or walls or warnings anymore that separate us from God's presence. Jesus has gone through the curtain and the way is open for us to come into God's presence. There are no sacrifices needed anymore. Jesus was the once and for all perfect sacrifice. And the cursing of the fig tree is another miracle that Jesus did to show that with God, nothing is impossible. You see, when Peter said to Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Look at Jesus' response in verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Jesus is the God who does the impossible, the miracle of the impossible cursing that happened instantaneously. But even more than that, Jesus is, is the miracle worker who replaces this temple system with all of its failure to bear fruit with his own death and resurrection and the one who opens up the way into God's presence for all of us forever through his perfect once and for all sacrifice. You see, no mountain, even a temple system is not too big. There is no mountain too big for God to remove when his purposes are at stake. You see, God will remove those obstacles from um, our lives if we if by faith we come to him. If there are obstacles and mountains in our way, God wants those removed so that we can grow and bear fruit. And even a temple system with all its corruption and injustice did not get in the way of God's purposes for it for, for Gentiles and Jews. And Jesus is calling his disciples to a mountain moving faith here, isn't he? The Jesus who cursed the fig tree, the Jesus who replaced and removed uh, the temple and made the temple his own body through his death and resurrection is the same Jesus who welcomes you and I to come to him by faith and to and to um, believe that impossible barriers, obstacles, mountains could be moved. Look at what Jesus says to his disciples in verse 24. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, that this phrase about telling a mountain to, to be thrown into the sea was a Jewish saying. It was a Jewish idiom, and it was, it was an expression of faith for the Jews. Um, and what Jesus is saying is, look, if you come to me and believe, and if what you're asking for lines up with the will of God, it will be done. God will hear you. He will answer in his sovereign way and timing, but God will hear you and answer your prayer if it's prayed in accordance with his will. You see, it needs to be within his will because John says in his first letter, 1 John 5 verse 14, therefore I tell you, whatever, um, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. You see, according to to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He will answer. He will grant our request in his way and in his timing. What is God's will? Well, we've already heard about it. God's will is to welcome people to know him and into his presence. That's what the temple was for. That's why Jesus became the new temple. That's why Jesus gave his life and was raised from the dead. He was lifted up to gather people, to draw people to himself. And so one prayer that we know God will always hear and answer in his own way and timing is that people would come to know Jesus Christ. That prayer we should always be praying uh, for our family members, for our work colleagues, for those in our university. However much it seems like a mountain that some people will never come to faith, um, I don't know about you, but I've got people in my family um, and in my acquaintances who I think 
if they were to come to faith, that would be like God moving a mountain. Have you got some of them in your life? It, it just it's impossible, humanly speaking. You think it'd be like saying to a mountain to be thrown into the sea. And yet that's precisely what Jesus is about, isn't it? He's the miracle working God who can bring men and women to faith in him by his Holy Spirit. We just have to have the faith that Jesus is the miracle worker who longs to call men and women and children to him in faith. God can work a miracle in anyone's life. There is no person that's got a mountain of unbelief and doubt so big that God can't move it. Have you given up on praying with faith for some people in your family, workplace, friends, acquaintances? Have you said, oh, God can't move that mountain? Well, I believe Jesus would say to you this morning, keep praying. Keep praying that that mountain would move in their life, that they would come to know me. Don't give up. Be faithful in prayer. I am the mountain moving God. Or maybe for some of you, there are mountains in your own life, obstacles that perhaps are blocking you from bearing fruit. Can I urge you to, to ask for prayer this morning, to, to ask the prayer team for prayer? Um, there are sins, perhaps there are uh, disappointments, perhaps there are regrets, sense of failure. There are doubts, dis disappointments that are like mountains in our lives. They're, they feel immovable. They've, they've been there for decades, years, and we feel they'll never move. That Those things will never change. And yet Jesus calls you and I to bold, confident faith this morning and says, do you believe that I am the mountain moving God who can move the biggest, most obstinate mountains in your life and in the lives of others? Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to confess that, that we lack faith this morning. Lord, we don't always trust that you are the mountain moving, miracle working God. Lord, we want to pray for the mountains and obstacles in our own lives, that, Lord, you give us faith to reach out and ask for prayers, that those might be removed, however long they've been there, Lord, and however they're preventing us from bearing fruit. Jesus, you, you long to move the obstacles in our lives that prevent us from bearing fruit and moving forward and growing in faith. So, Lord, help us to have the humility and trust to come to you this morning and to receive prayer, mountain-moving, prayer-filled, uh, faith. And Lord, I, I pray for each one of us that you don't, um, Lord, help us to identify people that we've given up praying for in our families, uh, in our friends, work colleagues, schools, universities, Lord, that we've written them off. Jesus, we're reminded this morning that there is no obstacle, no mountain too big for you. So give us the faithfulness, the perseverance, Lord, the faith to keep praying that others would come to know you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Martin. Steve, lead us in uh, a response to the word that we've heard this morning. Thank you. Everyone needs compassion Love that's never failing Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a saviour The hope of nations Saviour My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. surrender 
thank you for your word to us this morning we thank you that you've placed us in families in fellowships where with any amount of faith we can do unimaginable things through the name of jesus christ and we thank you that there is power in the name of jesus and so lord remind us put those people on our hearts and our minds who you want us to pray for who you want us to speak to Father, we don't often have to be in person. We can use the phone. We can do other means in order to come into contact with people. But Lord, will you give us the faith to believe that you can move mountains and that you can change lives that perhaps even we've given up on. So Lord, help us this week to focus our attention on you and then our attention, attention on those that you want us to speak to that your name might be glorified, not only in our lives, but those that we come into contact with. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you to everyone who's uh, taken part this morning. And to remind you, if you need prayer, then uh, text or ring Nigel on 07770-704-987. Well, have a wonderful day and uh, enjoy whatever celebration you're going to have. And may God bless you all.